What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John, and this week we are back with another episode where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC on ESPN Plus 21 card headline by Zabit Magomed Sharapov versus Calvin Cater. This 13-fight card will take place in Moscow, Russia, this Saturday, November 9th, 2019, with the seven-fight prelim card starting at 11 a.m. Eastern Time with the six-fight main card starting at 6 or at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. So I had my man Ozzy join me last week on the podcast. The episode went well. I had a lot of fun, got some uh, some great reviews of it, and uh, decided to have Ozzy back on for the podcast this week. He was eager to join us again, and I was happy to have him. So uh, what's up, Ozzy? Good to have you back. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, had a great time last week recording and had had great picks. I think overall, um, I didn't tally up your record, but I think on the picks I had last week, eight and four, uh, including that big Corey Anderson win, uh, you know, had like seven and a half units on him. Uh, also, you know, had Till and, you know, just great, great uh, card top to bottom last week. Hopefully we can replicate it uh, here, uh, you know, this week in Russia and, you know, happy to be here to break down uh, a bunch more fights. Yeah, I think you definitely did better than than I did. I think we disagreed on Duwadu. I think I got that one right. You were right about Good. You, know, you were right about Anderson. Um, we were both are wrong about Gillespie. And uh, it was it was a great card though. I'm sure you had a lot of fun. It was a crazy pay per view. Just real. We won't, I don't talk about the cards too much. But real quick, what was your reaction in the arena to the stoppage in the UFC 244 between Masvidal and Diaz before we get uh, rolling with this Moscow card? So yeah, I was looking, I was watching, I, ha- I think I was on like the second level and I couldn't tell, I don't, you know, by that time, I don't think I was paying too much attention to the TV and seeing the, uh, the you know, how big those cuts were that Diaz had. So initially I, I thought, uh, you know, why, they, they should have kept it going. But then when, you know, they were standing kind of in the middle of the cage and they were, uh, did a close-up on that eyebrow i think you know it was a it was a fine stoppage it sucks that it happened but uh you know diaz is getting obliterated in there and you know the i think the the end was inevitable and i think it was a a fair stoppage uh, after seeing the cut a little bit more yeah 100 percent. i mean the doctor said it wasn't just the cut i mean he said it was an overall assessment of diaz and that makes sense because the referee was concerned about diaz he told the commission after round two that he wants to keep an eye on them and it it wasn't just a cut. I mean, the neurologist definitely noticed some signs from Diaz that things weren't right, and everybody acted like it was just a cut and saying the fight could have gone on is dead wrong. Uh, you got to trust the doctor's opinion on this one. I think that he was definitely right to stop the fight. It was a absolute beatdown for Masvidal, and it was a good stoppage. Um, so just had a quick note on that because it was a bit of a controversial subject from the past few weeks. Uh, but with that being said, we will jump right into the first fight of the evening, which takes place in the Bantamweight division. We got Grigory Popov, who is 14-3, taking on Davy Grant, who is 8-4. The opening betting line for this one was Popov minus 230, Grant plus 170. Right now, we are seeing the line staying about the same with a little more action coming in on Grant. We see Popov minus 190, Grant plus 165. So, uh, Ozzy, what is your stance on the more action coming in on the dog Grant's way in this one? 
Uh, I can certainly understand not wanting to to lay a number, you know, a close to two to one with uh, a guy like Popov, who's in his second UFC fight, and uh, you know he he did get finished in his first fight when uh when he fought Wineland, but you know Wineland is is a is a proven vet, uh, has power, a lot of power in his hands, and he he ate a lot of shots from from Wineland in that fight. I thought if I'm remembering the, the fight well. Uh, I had that first round pretty pretty close, pretty even, and then Wineland really started connecting. Uh, here against Grant, though, you know, I know Popov trains over at Tiger Muay Thai, so I assume his his ground game is going to be going to be up to a snuff. But you know, Grant's shown a little bit of a, of a grap or desire to grapple in the past. Uh, I think that's he'll definitely have to do that here. But uh, but against Popov, I think he's going to be at a at a pretty big speed disadvantage overall. And if Popov could get those uh, those leg kicks and body kicks uh, going, I think you know Grant is going to have a, a tough time putting together enough offense to to get him a win here. Uh, so I definitely no bet for sure. Dogger pass at at this price. I don't think there's really value on either side. Uh, for the most part, if you want to maybe you know try try to look at a, a prop, maybe over there or, or something of that nature. But better, I'm, I, I feel much better. Just stay away. Don't know too much about these guys. Uh, Grant's been you know very inactive. He's fought I think three times in the last like three or four years. Not very active at all. And Popov is. 35 just getting to the ufc and beat a lot of regional uh subpar competition to to get to the ufc so you know i would i would definitely would not uh lay that number with him he's uh really unproven but grant you know grant's definitely not getting my money either so uh, that, that, that's how i feel about it pretty uh pretty you know fight that i think is a coin flip so if you take grant you know good luck to you but uh but my pick would be pop off here yeah, I'm right with you. Uh, no bet on this one. I guess I agree with the early action coming in on Grant because uh, it's just dog or pass. I mean, you can't trust Popov at that two to one number, like you said, multiple times. And I think Popov will win the fight. I think he's the more capable fighter. Uh, even though he lost to Wineland, he showed some decent things in that fight. His boxing defense looked pretty bad, but the dude can take a shot. He took an absolute beating before he got knocked out. And it's hard to see Grant landing those same type of hard shots. So it's going to be hard for Grant to knock off Popov. Um, it's going to be hard for Grant to outvolume Popov on the feet. And I'd say Grant's really only path to victory is the submission. And uh, Popov's ground game is not very good. He does have some submissions over lower-level competition, and I think that his ground game will be solid enough to avoid the submission in this one, keep the fight standing. And standing, I think Popov will be the much better striker. I think he will start getting his kicks going. He's got nice body kicks and eventually get his hands going as well. I mean, Grant's last fight was against Manny Bermudez where he got dropped with a right hand 30 seconds into the fight and got uh, put out with a triangle. And he's only one in three in his entire UFC career, spanning over four or five years. Very inactive. Doesn't look to be too, uh, too committed to fighting at this point. And I think that Popov is just a much better fighter. So even though I'm pretty confident in Popov in this one, I wouldn't be rushing to the betting window to, mon to lay that minus 190 on him. Although I do think he wins this fight via decision. We could even see a knockout for from Popov in this one. So uh, the pick is going to be Popov. Next fight in the women's bantamweight division, we got Jessica Rose Clark, who is 9-5, taking on Penny Kianzad, who is 11-5. The opening betting line for this one was 
Kinzad, the underdog at plus 140 to Rose Clark as the minus 180 underdog. Right now we are seeing uh, near Pickham with Rose Clark at minus 115 to Kinzad at minus 105. So this is a rematch. These two fought back in Invicta, I think, four years ago. Uh, and P Penny Kinzad won that fight 30-27. So very interesting to see that Rose Clark opened the minus 180 favorite in this one. So uh, in this rematch, uh, who you think is going to win this one, Ozzy? Good, you know, good, uh, good women's fight here. I think both both girls here have have some talent, have some skill. Um, rematch, as you said, I like Jess Rose Clark where the line is now at that opening number that you said at the minus one ninety. Um, for sure, you know, the dog was was the was a side now there. Now that it's basically a pick 'em though. I, I like Rose Clark. She's coming off a layoff of uh, almost a year and a half after losing to uh, to Jessica I. And in that fight, I, I thought that she looked okay. She just wasn't really extremely aggressive, as aggressive as she was in like the fight against Beck Rawlings or the fight against Paige Van Zandt. And she really let uh, I dictate the pace of that fight. But uh, that was also down at 125. And I saw a lot of, well, I've read a lot of stuff um, since then with her kind of commenting on how she she was really killing herself to get down to 125. She wasn't, you know, really happy at that point. And I think she's taken this year and a half or so to really get to a right to a better place where she's. You know, if you just look at her Instagram, she she looks like she's in phenomenal shape, even though she's up 10 pounds. She's ripped. She she she's training with a really really good fight, a good good team, um, and I think she she's in a good place. And I've always thought that Jessica Rose Clark was uh was talented, um, you know, and, and had some good skills and utilized you know a good um, transition. She had a good transition game, which you see lacking a lot of times in the uh, in those female uh, divisions. And on the other end, uh, Kizad. She uh she was on the Ultimate Fighter and got some wins on uh you know on the show uh and in her last fight ran into a girl in Julia Vila who who I'm high on and I I don't discredit you know I don't you know lower her her down for losing to her there but I think in this fight Jessica Rose Clark is the better striker at range I think she's gonna be faster and I think she's going to be able to keep this on the feet for the most part and even if not she I, I feel I feel she is pretty good in scrambles and and ending up on top. Uh, and focusing on that, whereas a lot of other female fighters sometimes, you know, go to their back or, or give up a top position. So in this fight, I think, uh, you know, Rose Clark keeps on the feet, uses her range finders. You know, she has some good leg kicks, uh, mixes up in her jab uh, to to mask them. And I think she'll, she'll be able to start pulling away in the fight and uh, eventually win by decision here. So Rose Clark's the, the pick here, uh, fairly confident. I, I did bet uh, 1.1 units on her uh, when she was at, you know, that minus 110. And I think she gets it done here. Um, but it's going to be a close fight, right? It's, it, the, it's a pick em for a reason. Um, how do you feel uh, between these two girls on who, who's going to come out on top? I'm actually going to come in the other way and pick uh, Kianzad to win this decision in this one. And uh, I think that if you look at their first fight, uh, they're, they're both much different fighters than that they were in that fight. It was a pretty sloppy contest. The, I mean, the first like three and a half minutes of the fight were just all against the clinch, uh, against the fade fence in the clinch. Nothing was happening. And then uh, eventually, uh, Kinzad was landing some nice takedowns and kept top position. There, there was not much uh, clean striking, and both of them really showed their inexperience at the time. I think since then, actually, Rose Clark has Im uh, improved a bit more. And uh, Kianzad has been, uh, plateaued a little bit, but uh, 
with that being said, I still think that Kian Zad is the better striker at range. So I'm going to disagree with what you said there. Uh, I saw the way that I was landing on Rose Clark at range, and we we know how rudimentary eye striking is. And I think that Kian Zad has a lot more tools in this one. I think that her her lead left hand will be a, a big punch that'll be landing a lot. And I think that she will probably look to initiate the clinch and get the takedowns again because that's where she's had such a big advantage the first time they fought. But I think she will realize that Rose Clark has actually gotten a lot better in the grappling since then, and the takedowns won't come nearly as easily. So I think this one will play out on the feet a little bit more, and I think that Rose Clark will look better than she did versus I. It'll be more similar to her performances versus um, Paige Van Zandt and Rawlings, like you mentioned. I think she will look a lot better, but I think that Kinsat will just be landing the harder strikes in this fight. I think that that extra 10 pounds difference will will show in this one. I think Kinsat actually fought at the 145 pound tough. I could be wrong about that one, but she's got, uh, I think she'll have a bit of size over Rose Clark in this one. And I think that size will play into her factor when she's landing the bigger strikes on the feet in this one to sway those judges' uh, scorecards. So uh, should be a pretty close fight. Uh, the early action on uh, Kinzad at that plus money was definitely the right side. I, I wouldn't go uh, laying uh, money on uh, a favorite on either side in this one, but I'm going to pick Kinzad to get the win. And it's honestly kind of shocking that this line is so close. A lot of people are really trusting Rose Clark and the improvements that she made uh, to to overcome that 30-27 loss to Kinzad earlier in her career. And uh, anything you want to you know rebuttal on what I said now, Ozzy, because we're uh, different in opinion here. Oh, I mean, I. I, you were right that uh, Kinzad did fight on uh, that 145-pound uh, Ultimate Fighter. I, I just I don't think that her her shots or her takedowns are particularly strong. And I think how Rose Clark it has looked in the past and how what I think she's bringing up to the 135-pound division, I think it's going to be really really hard for uh, someone like. Kinzad and like the style of takedown she goes for and how how she sets them up to consistently get this to the ground and even on the ground I think uh you know I I feel like Clark's gonna have the better cardio and if the, there are prolonged grappling exchanges it's gonna end up uh being to her favor and not her detriment and uh I think I just see her wearing wearing uh Panny out uh Kinzad out and uh getting this win yeah, and Rose Clark has also started training at CSA pretty recently, and I forget the the name of the head coach there, but he's a really good striking coach and has been improving a lot of the fighters lately, so that's definitely in her favor. Um, I'd say that, uh, once more, that Rose Clark is definitely the more improved, and I think she has a lot of upside in this matchup, but... Uh, we're going to move on to the next fight in the lightweight division where we have uh, Alexander Yakalayev, who is 25-9-1, taking on Roosevelt Roberts, who is 8-1. The opening betting line for this one was Roberts minus 165, Yakalayev plus 125. Right now we are seeing Roberts minus 155, Yakalayev plus 135. So, uh line staying about the same in this one. I'm actually kind of surprised at this line being... Uh, Minus one fifty five, Roberts. Uh, I think it would thought it would have been a maybe more like minus two hundred. Uh, do you think that Roberts should be more of a favorite in this fight, Ozzy? Um, right. I, I I don't actually. So I how I look at this fight, you know, Roberts. 
he is, you know, really dynamic. Uh, he's pretty powerful. I feel he he gets by more on uh, his, his strength and his athleticism and his, you know, attributes than pure technique. Now, you know, I've seen if you saw that guillotine he hit on uh, Daryl Horcher, you know, awesome guillotine, put himself in the perfect position to finish that. But I feel the he he's he's good in, with that technique, but how, what he leans on more and and the technique that he chooses uh, often are the techniques where where he can uh, accentuate his physical advantages, like that guillotine. Like you know, he he he's able to wrap up the neck and uh, and go for them. But I feel like Alexander Yaklov, he's just fought so many more, so much better competition. Uh, the much better competition here. Whereas Roosevelt Roberts, like the guys that he has fought of, of late that he's been able to, to get on the ground were really, really subpar. And you saw in his last fight against uh, Pichel, I was really disappointed with his uh, performance. I thought that he was going to go out there and uh, and handle Pichel in a similar manner that maybe like Gillespie did. Or, you know, basically, I, I thought he was in the ground uh, Pichel and end up finishing him by sub. But uh, once he's once Pichel started fighting back, and and I think Robert saw that uh, this is a veteran and it's a guy that's not going away. He he kind of folded and he kind of cracked under their, under their pressure. I feel and uh, and made Pichel look really good there, and and it was definitely was a good performance by him. But I, I really didn't expect that he went to decision with uh, with Thomas Gifford, who who we saw Mike Davis just absolutely destroy a few weeks back, and then you know that Horcher fight and obviously the fight on. Uh, on Dana White Contender Series. Now, Yaklov, on the other hand, uh, I think is a good neutralizer to some stuff that that Roberts do. He's he's extremely hard to submit um, or, or, or get into like those those uh, those positions because he's such a kind of a, a squirrely grappler. Uh, he's really good in, in some of those wrestling exchanges. Now, and I think this is definitely going to be a fight that uh, plays out a lot in the clinch and and, and definitely goes to the ground often. Um, I'm curious to see how active Yaklov is going to be on his feet because I assume that uh, uh, Roberts is going to be very aggressive here. But yeah, I can't. I I really don't like similar to the last week. Uh, you know, guys really young in their in their UFC careers going against you know proven you know i have to go you know uh, quotation marks you know proven vets like like yaklov or last week how it was uh walker versus anderson i really don't like laying uh juice on guys that are, are so young in their ufc career so for me i i think the guys that got yaklov at plus 150 and plus 160 in the middle of this week definitely are are on the right side um and i i would not be running to 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 bet roberts at this price, you know, I wouldn't be betting him until he maybe got to like minus one thirty or minus one thirty-five. Uh, so for me, it's dog or pass here. I don't have a, a real big, big lean, so I'm definitely going to be passing on this fight unless you know, it's a, like I said, there's a huge diff, uh, change in the prices. Um, I think these guys are rather similar, and if Yak Roberts, his best case scenario, I think, in his career is to become an athletic version of uh, Alexander Yaklov. So at this point. Uh, my pick would be Yaklov to win. Yeah, so I'm going to come in the other way again <clears throat> with uh, saying that Roberts is going to uh, pull this one off. And I understand some of your concerns about Roberts. He does, I think, fight a little lackadaisical at times. I mean, the the he kind of coasted to a decision victory over um, Thomas Gifford. And I was um, 
actually picking Paito in the, that fight before uh, in that Roberts' last fight. I thought that the pressure and the, the wrestling was going to get to him, which it did. But I kind of see what you meant. He kind of wilted to the pressure a little bit. He couldn't. I mean, it wasn't like an overwhelming pressure and wrestling effort from Paito. It was a, it was a good effort and a good performance. But I think that uh, he should have probably been able to win that fight. And the fact that he wasn't was is probably going to be uh, – his ceiling in the UFC, but I still think he's good enough to, to beat Yakalov here because uh, Yakalov's last fight. I mean, he, he looked like a guy coming off of a long layoff. He looked, um, like he wasn't in the swing of things on the feet. He looked kind of stiff. I never thought his striking was too good. I mean, he's always kind of relied on his grappling, although most of his losses have come by way of submission. So he's kind of a weird fighter. And uh, that fight versus Silva, he was actually losing that fight, I'm pretty sure, for the first six or seven minutes, just defending takedowns the entire time. Got taken down a few times. And then uh, Silva maybe gassed out, maybe made a bad mental mistake and just got his neck snatched in a guillotine. It was a really weird fight. I, I don't think that uh, anything good came out of that fight for Yakolev. Uh, I'd actually say that it more confirmed uh, some of the, the, uh, the things the suspicions I had before his last fight and that, that he would not look good athletically. And I think, uh, He's just getting one more fight here in Russia. I don't think this matchup fares well for him. I think that Roberts would be the much better striker on the feet at range. He should be boxing uh, Yakalaev up. He definitely has the better kicking game of the two. And in the grappling, it should be pretty competitive because Yakalaev has very solid defensive grappling. He's gone to a decision with Damian Maya. And even though I mentioned he has been submitted a few times, like guys like Zach Cummings, not the highest level grapplers, but, you know, serviceable guys. Uh, I just think that, uh, Roberts is the much more athletic fighter. He'll be the better striker. And I think that uh, he will be able to avoid getting submitted on the ground. Although I think the grappling exchanges could be pretty uh, pretty close in this one. And we might see Roberts put in some bad spots like Peichel did to him. But I think that uh, I'm trusting... Uh, Roberts to stay off his back to avoid the submission to use his uh, his length and his striking advantage to win this one on the scorecards. It could be a bit difficult as well because uh, Roberts tends to be a little low output, lackadaisical, like I mentioned at the beginning. And this is going to be uh, a Russian fighter in in Russia, and it's going to be you're going to have to beat him decisively to win the scorecards. But I'm still trusting uh, Roberts to do so. Uh, I have not locked in a bet on him yet, although I am considering it. I'm, I'm probably more capping close to minus two hundred in this spot. You got anything? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for sure it's going to be a, a dirty fight that's contesting the clinch a lot, and um, either way, I think it'll be close. I don't, I don't really see Roberts being able to put um, Yaklov away quickly, but uh, you know, I, I think that Yaklov can make this fight dirty, uh, tire Roberts out. We we haven't really seen Roberts in, uh, you know, get, get be on the receiving end of a lot of uh, volume or, or a prolonged fight where I think he he had to push. You know, he went three rounds with Gifford, but Gifford, you know, wasn't really uh offering anything in that Pichel fight. I think he he did start slowing down. So Yaklov, I think if he can extend his fight out, he can uh start to take advantage of uh of the, some position. I think he 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 did, Roberts is goes for a submission often, but he's there to be submitted to. Um and I think Yaklov is a pretty opportunistic rapper. I think the submission is a big in play right here. I think both these guys are, will be hunting for that. Um but hopefully hopefully put in a, a good performance, good fight and uh, we get a back and forth affair. I'd be curious to see the live betting uh odds on this after round 1. 
Yeah, to your point, I think Yakolev's submission opened up at like 1,200, so that might be a good uh, prop stab or something. Um, next fight in the welterweight division, we have the debut of Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov taking on David Zawada. Uh, Nurmagomedov is 15-2-1. Zawada is 16-5. and The opening betting line for this one is Nurmagomedov minus 245 to uh, Zawada at plus 175. And right now, over on Best Fight Odds, we are seeing... Nurmagomedov Madoff minus 320 to Zawada at plus 260. So uh, do you think that Nurmagomedov Madoff would be as much of a favorite in this spot as he is if his name weren't Nurmagomedov, Madoff? Or do you think that, that name value is kind of buying into this line a little bit? Uh, you know, for sure a little bit. I think it'd be naive uh, to think that, uh, that, that that wasn't the case. Now, um, yeah, and this is, I think, Khabib's. I don't know if it's his brother or his cousin. It's one of the two. Um, but cousin, so, cousin. Okay, so Zawada, he, you know, I've, I've, I've really enjoyed both fights that uh, that he's had uh, in the UFC. Uh, I, I was on him in that Roberts fight, and I was so disappointed because there was, there, there was, so, they were just going back and forth so much. You know, there's a few positions where I thought Zawada could really stick him and and get to a finish in those some of those grappling exchanges. And in that uh, Jin Liang fight, like it was that that was a war, great, you know, great fight. Um, but he ended up getting finished there. Um, I just feel that he Zawada is uh accepting a bit of some of these grappling exchanges and he's craved for for sure a crafty grappler but against Nurmagomedov he 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 really is able to control guys on the on the mat and it's not just the the stigma of me saying that uh from knowing that he's Khabib's brother he's really been able to hold down a lot of guys uh pretty easily and uh and you know I I, I don't I don't I think that once this fight does hit the mat um Nurmagomedov is going to be able to to have his way on down there on the feet Zawada is for sure tricky he he throws all strikes like he's good with his hands he's good, he's good with his kicks he's got 11 uh wins by knockout and which which is you know a ton he's he's knocked out some UFC level guys uh, along the way um and you know I think he can make something happen on the feet uh so if I was to be betting him I think I I would be looking for for uh like an inside the distance kind of prop um because I think I if this fight goes three rounds I think Nurmagomedov starts wearing them out and uh and extend uh, like building on the uh grappling advantage that he has and the, the tighter position that he has so i would be betting him uh inside the distance but i think i think this would be a good scrap um i don't think uh zawad is gonna get blown out in the beginning but i feel as the fight goes along uh he's gonna start getting chipped away on and eventually uh those takedowns just start coming easier yeah, I agree with uh for for the most part with everything you said. I mean, Nurmagomedov is a, pretty much a, a lay and pray artist. I mean, he does have uh, some pretty decent striking technique on the feet, although his defense is not very good. He got dropped by uh, Kush and tapped out in his most recent loss. And I think that this fight will probably be like Nurmagomedov going for takedowns, trying to keep top position. And Sawada does have some crafty escapes from bottom, and he goes for a lot of submissions, but he does not. He's not a positional. Uh, positionally sound grappler he just tries to go for leg locks and snatch necks and arms whenever he can and he doesn't really establish a dominant position so i would be really surprised to see uh norvega made off uh, caught with any type of type of submission in this one i'd say zawada's uh main 
uh, path to victory would be touching the chit of Nurmagomedov on the feet. Maybe if he doesn't screw around with trying to get submissions and just focuses on getting right back up to his feet, I honestly think he could keep this fight standing long enough to to land that um, hard strike on Nurmagomedov's chin and possibly uh, rock him, put him out, or maybe even uh, just sway the the judges' uh, scorecards each round. But it's really hard to predict that from what we've seen. Uh, like you said, Zawada tends to accept these grappling exchanges a little bit too much. And that those were versus two uh, less skilled grapplers than Nurmagomedov. Maybe he'll come in here a bit more uh, calculated and have a good game plan to, to beat Nurmagomedov. But uh, definitely a bit underwhelmed with Nurmagomedov from what I've seen from his PFL fights. I think that uh, he will get Zawada down, get enough top position to win the rounds, but I'm not impressed with his gas tank. I'm not impressed with his defense, his output, and anything really. So I, I don't think that uh, Abu Bakar will have a really illustrious UFC career, but I think that he will be good enough to beat Zawada in this one. Although I will probably be, you know, from a fan standpoint, cheering for Zawada to get this fight back to the feet because I think he does have the chance at landing the knockout on the feet. Uh, but the pick is going to be uh, Nurmagomedov by decision. Like you said, uh, I really do hope that uh, Zawada is smart enough to not be just trying to go for submissions uh, once he hits the ground. And if he's trying to get back up, which I think is the smartest strategy, I think he he increases his chances here. But uh, but I'm going to pick Nurmagomedov uh, as well. Nice. So in the next fight in the... the so a bit of discrepancy on this one. Tapology says 205, although uh, some other people have been saying 185 pounds. But uh, this fight is taking place at 185 pounds. We got uh, Co Roman Kopilov making his UFC debut, who is 8-0, taking on Carl Roberson, who is 8-2. The opening betting line for this one was Roberson, the plus 150 underdog to Kopilov as the minus 190 favorite. Right now we are seeing uh, a pick him at Roberson minus 110, Kopilov minus 110. So Kopilov making his UFC debut here. I think that opening line was very whack at him, minus 190. That's why you saw that action come back in on uh, Roberson. So what's your read of, of uh, Kopilov so far? Uh, what have you seen on tape, Ozzy? Uh, so, so I watched his last few fights where uh, he he went later on into the fight, and uh, I think he finished in the fourth round in his last two fights. Um, I was impressed. I thought that you know I think he's a he's a good fighter. He's a, a southpaw. Um, you know ha has a diversity of strikes, throws strong kicks. Uh, doesn't work his his grappling too much. You don't really know uh, what you have there. But I thought he had you know his hands look looked pretty fast and he was durable right I don't, he didn't really get hit with too many big shots uh, but the guys that we were fighting were uh especially his last fight a guy was you know a little slower a little you know less physical so so he he kind of had his way with him and the end was inevitable um in this fight with roberson roberson's a really 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 um you know, high-level athlete in the cage. Um, his fight last time, last time out against Terman was uh, was an interesting one to say the least. Uh, you know, Roberson for sure had the the standing striking uh, edge, but you know they they did end up on the mat uh, pretty often. But Roberson, to his credit, was able to survive down there, get out of a, a few bad positions on on a guy in Terman who. I, I rate his grappling pretty highly. I, I, w I was actually impressed by a lot of the transitions that he was hitting, but you know it's a little concerning that that Roberson was pressing the grappling uh, so much. I think in this fight, uh, you know that open th that line movement was was right on the money and and, and right on point. I uh, 
started looking at this fight a little late. I would have even played Roberson at that like plus 110 to plus 120 uh, range. But by the time I got to it, it was even money. And, you know, we had lost a lot of the value, around 3% or so of the value. And now it's a pick them at minus 110 uh, each side. So I, I don't really have too much of a affinity to, to dabble at that price because I don't think there's en enough value. I think both guys here will uh, will focus on the feet, will be exchanging with each other. Um, Roberson, you know, hopefully probably looking to to initiate and, and Kopulev uh, a little more on the counter. But, um, you know, I think this is a fight where Roberson actually could maybe use his grappling a little more and uh, and take this fight to the mat and end up in top position because on top, he's he has some really strong ground to pound. He's training with Corey Anderson uh, as well over there. So, you know, his wrestling is is pretty good. I think if this fight hits the ground, it, it's because he wants it to. Um, and I, I think he could do some damage from that top position. And that's a position we really haven't seen Kopilev uh, too much. We haven't seen him on his back. So we don't know really what he looks like. Uh, so... I'm kind of citing more to pick pick Roberts in this fight, Roberson, excuse me, uh, in this fight. But uh, but I'm right on the edge, as like kind of the odds indicate. My official pick would probably will probably be him because I think the the only you've seen him struggle when guys are uh, dictating the pace on him and putting him on the mat, and I don't think that's something that Kopilev is going to be able to do. And on the feet, I think he'll be able to uh, to get in his bag and and land because he's a the faster, quicker fighter, and he he's more active. Kopilev is is pretty low volume on the feet. Um, did you what, what how did you feel about uh Roberson? We have a, a good amount of UFC tape on him, so I'm I'm sure you're able to uh, to catch up with a few of his fights. What uh what do you think of his skills? Yeah, I like Roberson in this spot too. I thought Kobulov looks very solid. Um, from what I've seen, I did watch his most recent few fights. Both uh both of his most recent two fights have been scheduled for five rounds, and he won both of them by TKO in the fourth round. So he's got a good pace. Um. Not, I wouldn't say good, pr good pressure. Like he, he doesn't pressure his opponents and throw a lot of volume. He just paces himself and slowly picks apart his opponents. But I don't think that's a good sign in this fight because Roberson's going to have a big power advantage on the feet, and Kopilov kind of likes picking his opponents apart and throwing a lot of shots to the body and winning the fight late. But it seemed like Kopilov had his past a few opponents beat like very early on in the fight and just took his good old time beating them. It was it was kind of weird how he did so. I mean, that's just his style, I guess. Uh, he prefers not to take too many risks and wear them down, and it, it's worked out pretty well so far. But, I mean, he's going to have an aggressive Roberson marching forward at him, throwing heavy strikes, and he definitely is going to have the power and strength advantage. Kopilov looks, <clears throat> looks a little skinny and lanky from uh, what I've seen from him on tape. Uh, all of his opponents did. Uh, maybe it's just the camera angles from ACB or FNG or the Russian promotions he's coming from. But Roberson, I think, is going to have a, a big size advantage in this one. And we really haven't seen Kopilov initiate too much grappling. Uh, he easily stuffed some some sloppy takedowns from uh, Shokolo in their fight. But uh, not much uh, defensive grappling from him no offensive grappling from what I recall. And I think that Roberson could possibly uh, maybe outgrapple him in this spot, look for those takedowns. And Roberson really, uh, I mean, he had a tough fight, his last fight versus Terman. Like you said, I think he won rounds uh, one and two, but he spent a lot of time on bottom. He uh, was got his back taken a few times, but he's uh, pretty solid uh, defensively in the grappling scheme of things. He only has been really subbed by high, high-level grapplers like uh, Mutanche and uh, Teixeira. And I don't think that... Uh, 
I certainly don't think Kopilov will be able to submit him just from, uh, we haven't seen him grapple much. He's more of a striker. So I think this one will be on the feet. I think Roberson will have a bit of a speed and power advantage. I, I trust him to land the harder, cleaner shots. And uh, I'm not impressed with Kopilov's boxing uh, defense or offense. And I think there's a chance that Roberson touches the chin in this one. So I'm going to go with Roberson to get the second round knockout. Uh, not really too confident of a pick in the knockout. It could be a decision. It could be a little bit of a low output where they give uh, Kopilov the cards possibly, but I think Roberson does touch the chin, land that hard shot, and get the knockout of this one. So the pick is going to be Roberson. And the next fight, we are moving on to the lightweight division. We have Rustam Habilov taking on Sergei Kondosko. Uh, Another fight where it says 155 on Tapology, but it says 170 on UFC.com. I think 170 is correct for this one. I don't know if you have any insight into this, Ozzy, but we got Kabilov. I believe that's right. Yeah, I think okay. it's, I'm pretty sure it's 170. Nice. We got Habilov, uh, 23 and 4, taking on Kondosko, 27, 5 and 1. The opening betting line for this one was Habilov, the minus 210 favorite, Hondosko plus 160 right now the line is Hobbylov minus 210 to Kondosko at plus 175 so uh, I'm pretty shocked at this opening line what do you, what are you thinking about this one Ozzy um I you know I, I the two guys that are um you know Hobbylov has had so many fights in the UFC um and he's always been hanging around and you wonder you know if there's ever a time where he's going to uh you know fall off uh, a lot, but uh, so far so good, right? Um, uh, Sergey, I'm gonna go with Sergey uh, to say his name. Um, he, I wasn't that impressed with his uh, debut against Akman. Uh, Akman was able to hang around in the fight and 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 escape a lot of positions on the feet. I mean, like there was a few times where, um, you know, I felt that the fight was there for Sergey to start, you know, controlling and dominating and Akman would, uh, wouldn't allow it. Um, so that put me kind of off, um, off him a little bit. Rustam, you know, Hopilov, on the other hand, he lost his last fight to Diego Ferreira. And I, I you know, I, I feel Diego Ferreira is for sure, like easy top 15 guy, um, would be a lot of guys in, in the UFC, uh, you know, at, at that light in the lightweight division, if he got a shot. Um, and you know, other than that, you know, he's only lost to, to a few other guys like Ben Henderson, Adriano Martins, and I don't see Sergey posing too much, too many threats. Like he, he's a longer, um, striker, which, you know, Hobby Love has sometimes, uh, been neutralized by like, I think I feel in the Cajun Johnson fight, uh, which was a robbery. Um, I think, or I think Cajun was, uh, should have, should have got that fight if I remember right. You know, this, this card is in Russia though, again. So remember that I feel like Rustam, uh, a lot of times, you know, maybe waits a little bit too long on the outside and, and to, and doesn't initiate as much. So if Sergey is able to say keep this fight long, um, you know I think he wins, but he he might win. But I think Habilov is going to be able to take him down and 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 hold him down here. And I would imagine that he would win, but there's no way that I'm putting money on either of these two guys uh, in this fight. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think that, uh, that there's any value on, on either of their lines. So I think it's pure gambling if you are, but, uh, some people like, love to do that. Right. Um, do you, so it sounds like you have a more strong, a stronger opinion than I do on this fight. So I'm curious to hear, uh, what that might be. 
you know, sorta. I don't have a very confident read in the outcome of the fight. I just think that there's there is actually value on Kondosko. I, I think that Hobby Love, his past two fights, you mentioned Kajen Johnson, a very uh, decent fighter, good grappler, was able to stuff takedowns, outstrike him, and land the better positions. And then you really gave crazy. Uh, Credit to uh, Carlos Diego Ferreira, who I agree is seriously one of the best lightweights in the world right now, one of the most underrated guys in the roster. And he, uh, I think that Kabulov relies on those takedowns. He relies on the suplex, those explosive movements, and that, that fades as you get older. And I think that we're kind of seeing him fade in front of us. Uh, I think his shots are looking a little slower. He's... Um, not getting as many takedowns as he used to. At one point, he used to average like tons of takedowns a fight and was super dominant, has has kind of fallen away from that in the past, past few fights and uh, was not impressed by Hondosko either in his uh, debut versus Akman. He really won that fight in like the last 10 seconds of the fight. It was, uh, I think, Hondosko won round one. I think he rocked Akman in round two. I think Hondosko actually got uh, rocked in round two himself. And then... In uh, round three, it was a really close round and back and forth. And I think Kondosko closed the round, landed in a few good strikes, and it probably gave him that last round. But it was a close fight versus not the highest level guy in Akman. And I could see Kabulov getting the takedowns and implementing that uh, classic takedown and lay and pray type of style. But I was impressed enough with Kondosko's takedown defense. And I think that the size advantage will be enough for him. Kabulov moving up 15 pounds to 170 in this one. I think Kondosko will have a, a pretty good size advantage. He'll be strong. Uh, he'll be uh, taller, possibly even stronger too. And I think that uh, I like what I saw with his, uh, he sometimes uses a judo throw to t stuff the takedowns. And I think that that's actually what, um, uh, Carlos Diego Ferreira had success with. He used a lot of wizards, underhooks, overhooks to stuff those takedowns and just showed incredible takedown defense. So as long as Kondosko is coming out here knowing he needs to counter some takedowns and land the hard strikes in the feet, I honestly think that he can uh, win a decision in this one. And with both guys being Russian, you're not going to have that advantage for Kabilov like he did over KJ and Johnson. So I'm actually uh, going to pick Kondosko to get the 29-28 decision victory in this one. Not a confident pick, but at plus 175, I uh, haven't bet him yet, but I probably will end up on Kondosko for uh, maybe half a unit to a unit. Uh, I just like the value and think that it, this one will be closer than the odds indicate, but not a confident pick by any means. You know what? I'm changing my pick. I was very uh, convincing. I, I'll take Kondosko. Um, <laughs> I'll take Sergey to, to get the win. Now, plus 170. I mean, it's getting up there where it's a, it's a line where if you think a fight's going to be close and you're getting plus 175, you know, that maybe that's the line that you take. Um, I just... Yeah, Hobby Love is, is just such a neutralizer that I'd hate to, you know, lay put money on uh, on Sergey here, um, and you know him just get taken down uh, over and over again. But Hobby Love moving up to 170, I don't think that's the move for him. Uh, so yeah, him fighting a guy so long like uh, Sergey, it might give him some issues uh, getting some of those takedowns. Nice, nice. Was able to flip the pick there, so that's a win. Uh, last fight on the prelims, we got in the light heavyweight division, Magomed Ankalaev, who is 11-1, taking on Dalsha Lungabula, who is 10-1. The opening betting line for this one was Ankalaev, the minus-175 favorite to Dalsha at plus-135. Right now, we are seeing Ankalaev minus-400 to Dalsha, plus-325. So the most action out of anybody on the card is coming in on Magomed Ankalaev. I think rightfully so. I think uh, you mentioned that you are uh, pretty high on Ankalaev. So uh, 
give us your rundown on, on why you're picking on Kalev in this one. Yeah, so can how, how do you pronounce uh, his uh, Dalichi's? Dal- uh, I think it's I think it's Longabula. All right, I'm gonna try and do that a bunch of times. This uh, so well, Longabula. I say Dalcha. Yeah, Longabula. Um, you know, this is my boy. Uh, he's funny, dude. I mean, I, I think uh, his last fight against uh, Daquan uh, Townsend uh, was just. I mean, Towson is just not a, a UFC level fighter at all, and uh, it was. Condu- I think they fought at uh, 205, where he typically fights at 185. I feel, um, but in this fight here, I think I, I don't understand that opening line. Ankalaev is a top tier to me, skill for skill wise, uh, light heavyweight in the world. Um, you know that Paul Craig fight; he was dominating paul craig and you know to paul craig's credit he was hanging in that fight and and wasn't uh breaking but he was dominating him and got you know hit that hail mary you know first l a lot of times uh you know big prospects first loss comes by submission it's just a weird thing that uh that happens often i think they lose focus or whatever it is he comes back though six months after i was glad to see that a lot of these russian guys are pretty inactive and i was glad to see him get back into the cage uh, soon thereafter and just wipes uh, Marcin uh, Prakniau off the the planet uh, with that head kick, and he he just he just dominated him in that fight, and I was really really impressed uh, with him coming back. And in his last fight, uh, Abreu's a tough good dude, and he you know he rearranged uh, Abreu's nose in that fight, and uh, and and was really landing big on him and showing his his complete MMA game there. And you know, just dominated and got that decision win pretty easily. But I thought I think Abreu is a, a legit fighter, and I, I I don't rate him low, as we'll kind of get into later. Um, and I just Dalcha Daichi, he he's not going to be able to to withstand the uh, the pressure that I think Ankalaev can can put on him uh, because Ankalaev doesn't really have skill wise like that. I don't think he has too much to worry about here. He's the more talented striker, grappler, um, wrestler in ev- every way, shape, or form that this uh, fight, any any area that this fight could play in. Uh, Uncle Live is going to have the advantage. I think he has a conditioning advantage. I think he's a stronger guy, uh, and and I feel that he he's just so much more talented than uh, Dolce, where Dolce is now. Um, you know, he, can he get hit with a, with, a, with a big shot? Anyone can. Uh, certainly, and Dolce for sure has uh, has some power in his hands. But he his and he 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 you know he's working on his game. It's, it's not like it. He's a guy who's really bland, and he's just like trying to knock people out with his striking. Uh, he he goes through takedowns. He he tries to progress a uh, position on the ground. He's he's legit. He's he's training. But I think this is way 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 too much too soon for him. I got uh, Ankalaev at minus one fifty five on Bet Online when it opened. I crushed that for as much as I possibly could, and they allowed me to. And uh, it's indicative in the price now, where it's almost minus four hundred. It is minus four hundred. So I think Ankalaev goes out there. Uh, really puts it on Dalcha. Um, you know, I wouldn't play. Would I play him at four to one? I can't advise someone to do that. Um, his opener was gold. That's why sometimes you need to to be on those. But uh, yeah, I think he gets the win here, maybe by stoppage. But Dalcha looks like a guy who's is pretty durable and can take a shot. But uh, but I think I, we're gonna see uh, Ankalaev dominate this fight. Yeah, I think the the books are going to get slaughtered on this one. That was a terrible opening line, and I'm sure there's 
tens of thousands of dollars uh, of liability on uh, on Kalayev. So, uh, I mean, what you got in Lungabula is just a, a pure steroid athlete i mean nothing against the guy he's a, a physical specimen but the dude has muscles on his neck muscles on his back his shoulders have muscles uh, i never see like seriously one of the most juiced up guys in the ufc uh right now and that i mean i guess it's possible for him to just power out of ankaliyev's grappling uh and maybe land a hard shot on the feet touch the chin of ankaliyev ankaliyev doesn't have the greatest boxing defense but i still think that his striking is good enough to avoid that big power shot i mean lungabula is a bit dangerous when he blitzes into the pocket like he knocked down daquan townsend with like a, a blitzing a two-punch combination but the difference in skill between Ankalaev and Townshead is is more than night and day. It's uh, Ankalaev is you know uh, I think a combat sambo master of sport, international master of sport. They give those out in Russia like like candy, but still, uh, I still think Ankalaev is just a much more better fighter at range on the feet. He's got takedowns, top control, and I don't th- I don't see him finishing. Uh, Lungabula either. I think uh, Lungabula is, is durable. He's tough. He's got decent cardio. He should be able to avoid getting finished in this one, but it's going to be interesting to see how this one plays out because if Lungabula blitzes him and tries to get him out of there in the first 60 seconds, he has a legitimate chance of pulling off this crazy upset, but I think if he tries to go technique for technique with Ankalaev, it'll just be a very prolonged loss for him. Uh, and uh, I mean, Dolce looked decent in his uh, debut over a, a subpar UFC a subpar fighter. I think he will pick up some victories in the UFC throughout his career, but this is just not going to be one of them. I think Ankalaya picks him apart, and uh, I'd say I, uh, wins the decision 30-27, plays it real safe. And now the next fight, moving on to the main card, uh, we got in the uh, another fight. There's some discrepancy over the weight in this one. I'm pretty sure this fight is taking place at 205, although uh, Tapology says 185. It's pretty rare Tapology's off, but there's a lot of uh, discrepancies in the weights in this card. But I'm pretty sure this fight is taking place at 205. We got uh, Shamil uh, Gamzatov, who is 13-0, taking on Cletusian Abreu, who is 15-3. The opening betting line for this one was... Gamzatov, the minus 270 favorite to Abreu, plus 190. And we are now seeing Gamzatov, minus 185 to Abreu at plus 160. So I get the sense that you're going to agree with this line movement, that line margins have tightened up. I think that that uh, plus 190 line on Abreu is a bit wide. So what are you thinking about uh, Gamzatov making his UFC debut up a weight class, up 20 pounds versus a solid fighter in Abreu? Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I really don't like Gansantov, uh as a fighter overall. You know, I, he is undefeated here, um, but in his fights, he he's just he he has fought for sh- to his strengths uh, a lot. Which uh, who who could blame the uh, guy from doing that, right? Knowing how to win, but he he's really he's in good shape. I give him that. He's good shape, physical guy, but he just comes forward, puts out volume. He, it, it's he throws a lot of junk out there. I feel I, I I don't I'm not a particularly big fan of his uh, striking game. I think he he he's very very sloppy on the feet. I think he doesn't really have too much depth of skill on the feet. And as a grappler, I, I was I haven't been too too impressed either. He doesn't really pursue the grappling too much, and I don't think he will want to here because Abreu is um, I think the much better grappler here. I think he has. Um, the better flowing MMA game, and I think if uh, if 
uh, Shamil uh, can't get him out of there relatively early. I think that Abreu starts catching up to him uh, as the rounds go by, you know, as maybe he, uh, Gansvatov gets a little more tired. Um, and I think that Abreu is going to be, he, he showed, he showed a showcase, I thought, well against uh, Ankalev, Ankalaev, but wasn't able to, to overcome the, the, the advantages that uh, Ankalaev was, you know, had in that fight and the, uh, the, he he couldn't get his takedown game going. Where I think here this fight might play out a little more, a little closer in closer range, and he's going to be able to shoot in, get the clinch, start working that, um, and hopefully go for some takedowns. That's what I'd be banking on if I was backing Abreu in this fight. Do you know the odds have come in quite a bit? Um, you know, plus one sixty still. Still all right, but you could have got a plus one eighty or uh, plus one seventy five earlier in the week. Um, yeah, I I like typically these Russian fighters when you're laying the chalk on them. It's typically because they have a big grappling edge. I feel not so much that they have the, like the biggest striking uh, advantage. And I think that on the feet, it's not. Uh, I think a Bray you can connect and and uh, on get uh, Gamsnatov here and and. Be able to change the course of the fight so uh i really wouldn't want to lay the the chalk here with uh with him um so i would pray play a brave i'm thinking about if i'm still going to take him at this plus 160 number i would love you know to get to get it ticked up a little bit more but i really don't think that's going to happen because i think mo uh, more people are going to be fading uh shamil uh here than than uh than playing than backing him but uh what do you have any strong feelings about this fight i always liked i i thought abreu was great going into coming into his uh usa de debut and i definitely did not leave that uh that fight with uh you know less of an opinion of him yeah he's pretty underrated honestly uh if you look at his record, just the wins over Alvi and the loss to Ankalaev doesn't look too great, but he, he's very solid, uh, very technical on the feet, doesn't try to overstep his bounds. He knows that his, his striking is pretty basic, but he, he keeps it technical, and everything that he does throw has some pretty decent boxing technique and uh, pretty good defense as well. And Gamzatov is... Uh, I'd say these two are actually pretty similar fighters. They both have a uh, pretty technical striking on the feet. Um, Gamsatov throws a lot of lead le uh, lead hand strikes, throws a lot of jabs. Not the most technical boxing, but it's it's pretty effective. He threw a lot of output versus uh, Eddie Gordon back in the P in his PFL fight, uh, but he just did not look very comfortable in the pocket exchanging. His defense suffered. It looked like he stiffened up a little bit, and he got caught with some right hands. So. I think in the pocket, Abreu will actually be the more comfortable of the two, and we could see him land some hard shots. Uh, Abreu fought really smart versus Alvi. He, he picked his shots really well. Uh, he stayed technical. He stuffed takedowns. Uh, I, I think he maybe hit a takedown of his own at one point versus Alvi too, and he's got really good submissions on the ground once he gets there. So uh, I think that this fight is much, much closer than the odds indicate. I'd actually say that maybe Abreu could be the favorite coming into this one. I think that... Uh, Abreu will maybe throw in that, that left body kick of his in the, in the southpaw versus orthodox matchup. And uh, I think that we could see the two of them uh, kind of neutralize each other a little bit and uh, slow the pace down to a, a striking match where it could be a bit low output. And you you got to think that Gamzmatov will have the better output and him being Russian, uh, the scorecards probably go to him. But I actually think Abreu is super live in this fight. What uh, Definitely would uh, not knock a play on him. We'll probably end up on him as well, like you were saying. Maybe just wait to see if we can get a better price on him because the line's holding for Gamzatov uh, surprisingly. 
recently. I wouldn't see why maybe some more late action would come in on Gamzatov and get uh, that last good price in Abreu. But uh, yeah, let's let's pick Abreu to pull off the upset in this one. I think with the Gamzatov making his UFC debut up up in weight class, I think Abreu might be a little too much too soon for him, and Abreu uh, will pull off the upset decision victory. Agree. I'm picking uh, picking a Bray here to get a decision victory as well. But I wouldn't be surprised if he could, you know, picks up a sub here as well because Gansantov is pretty aggressive. So yeah, I think Bray is a better grappler for sure. Yeah, definitely I, a I, sub threat. I could see a club and sub with uh, you know Gamzatov too aggressive gets clipped and Abreu uh, wraps up in, uh, a neck uh, some somewhere. Next fight in the welterweight division, uh, one of the best fights on the card, in my opinion. I think the best fight on the card. Uh, we got Anthony Rocco Martin, who is sixteen and five, taking on Ramazan Amiv, who is eighteen and three. The opening betting line for this one was Amiv as the favorite at minus one thirty-five to Martin as the slight underdog minus one hundred five. Right now, we are seeing Amiv minus one thirty-five, uh, Rocco Martin plus one fifteen. So, uh, what are you thinking about this matchup, Ozzy? This is one fight that I that I do that I am interested in a lot, and I do have action on. Um, you know, th- these are two guys that I think are, are pretty similar to each other. They're very well rounded. Um, you know, they they don't mind wherever the fight goes. You know, uh, both guys, Martin on the ground, you know, looks to, for more subs. Emiv, uh, really really good ground to pound uh, once he's on top. But I think I, I like Martin here. I feel like Martin's been uh, very, very underrated uh, throughout his UFC career. And it's you know, proven if you, you go through his one-loss record and, and see uh, the odds that he was at in each of, each of his fights. And it, you know, he's coming off a loss uh, to, to Maya uh, there. No real shame there. Maya's a really, really, really tough uh, puzzle to crack. But uh, Martin stayed composed uh, a few, you know, where, where, when the fight got difficult and tough. And was able to, you know, actually get a majority decision there. Uh, even though I thought it was pretty easily a Maya fight, but it's really tough to to keep keep him off you and win that fight. Um, Amiv, I I've been really underwhelmed with his his UFC career. Um, his last fight against uh, the lefty uh, Skulik, uh, Stefan Stefan, you know, lefty last fight that he had um, over a year ago. Um, I. I felt that he there was a lot of points where he could have lost that fight. What I what stuck out the most to me was uh, the footwork issues that he was having in there. Um, now, given that he was fighting a lefty there, but I felt I saw a lot of setups that he got caught with for positions that or times that he put himself out of position. Say when he was trying to you know cut off the cage or he was trying to keep him in front of him to land his strikes, he was really getting outsmarted uh, in a, on a lot of, in a lot of positions and uh, was letting the fight really get away from him and wasn't putting himself in positions to to win or, or land the big strikes. And I saw a lot of uh, close punches whiz by him that came about because of his lack of footwork. I think Rocco Martin's a guy that's going to be able to take advantage of that. He's, he's really quick on the feet. Uh, obviously, he's he's coming up. For, he's a, a former 155-er, so I think he has a speed advantage here. He has really simple but clean boxing, which uh, which I think uh, will will be be what he needs to establish early on. Um, I, I'm, I am a little nervous about him getting caught with a big shot here because sometimes uh, his – you know, he he throws his punches out there. He admires his work, or he's not extremely defensively conscious. But on the feet, I think it's close. I think he has the better kicks. Um, he throws the legs, the body, and head. I think better than Amiv does, and I think he's going to be better at uh, you know, 
setting those up. And I think that'll be a big uh, important factor in, in making sure that he doesn't get trapped up against the cage, keeping uh, his range with those kicks. And in the grappling exchanges, Amiv is a good, it's a very good wrestler, but his ground game, his jujitsu, his transitions are not good. I don't think he's going to be able to, to hold uh, Martin down at all. And on the contrary, I think that Martin has a very, very good uh, jujitsu on the ground, not only in hunting for submissions, but uh, keeping positions hold uh, uh keeping positions progressing positions um and and he's really opportunistic down there um so like i said i think he's he, he's a guy that no doubt about it has been underrated i think he's still underrated here i played him for like 1.3 units uh at his the plus 140 number um and i think that he's going to pick up a win here I, I really do i think he's able to neutralize what amiv does best and able to to win this on the judges scorecards so um i'm going to pick rocco martin for uh for a close decision win but uh, i could also see him you know if amiv you know picks up the pace him you know maybe finding a finish because amiv all of his fights in ufc have gone really really well um, he he hasn't faced adversity. I think all the guys that he fought, he had a big grappling and uh, uh, wrestling advantage, and I don't think he's going to have that here. So I want to see what what he what he has to offer uh, when he's a little bit more of the when when the fight's a little more even. And I know Rocco Martin is uh, really experienced with fights that are you know that are close that he maybe shouldn't win or there's like a, some doubt. Um, so I think he's going to come up with a good performance here. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you there. I'm picking Rocco to win this one as well. And uh, I'm a big fan of Martin, and, but I was trying to think of why. And it's because, as you mentioned, I mean, the dude is constantly an underdog. And he usually uh, wins those fights or has really competitive fights as that dog. And he's uh, picked up some nice victories lately, had a really successful transition to welterweight. And he's just fought grappler after grappler after grappler. This matchup is going to be nothing different for him. I think that Rocco's got the better boxing on the feet. He's going to be lighting up Amiv with calf kicks and uh, body kicks as well. I think Amiv's uh, striking is just a bit too rudimentary. He kind of telegraphs that right hand and he, he wings it forward. And Rocco doesn't have the best defense. He kind of has uh, lackadaisical defense, gets called punches sometimes like he did versus Jake Matthews, but he can take a shot really well. He can uh, stay off a of bottom very well. I mean, he, he has really solid defensive grappling. Only the best of the best grapplers are able to hold him down like Damian Maya. And, uh, I mean, guys like Sergio Marias, other high-level black belts were not able to hold him down, and Rocco beat those guys pretty easily. So I think that Rocco is able to stuff the takedowns of Amiv. If he gets taken down, I think he should be able to uh, stay solid defensively. I mean, Amiv could win rounds by just uh, laying and praying, sort of like Maya did, and it could be a bad loss for Rocco. But I think that uh, Rocco is able to to uh, use that maybe his butterfly sweep like uh, Stefan Salukic was. Uh, I mean, Salukic was not a super high-level fighter, and Amid did not have that much success uh, holding him down as well. So I definitely don't think he'll be able to hold Rocco down. I say Rocco gets up to his feet, lands the better strikes in the feet. I think we could see a finish from Rocco, as you alluded to, but uh, the pick has got to be Martin by decision. I just think that uh, he's the better fighter here, and he, he wins this one on the scorecard. So the pick is going to be Martin. And uh, haven't locked in any uh, underdog action on him yet. Uh, you got a really good price at plus 140. I don't really know what I'm waiting for, but uh, should probably lock in soon on Martin. I mean, I think you might get some, a better price on Martin uh, later. I, I I don't know. I feel like a lot of people are jumping on Amiv early on. And 
um, you know, some of those guys are doubling down. So you might get a better price on Martin, but, um, you know, maybe, maybe wait it out, see if you get plus 120. But if you get that, just hop on. And the next fight in the light heavyweight division, we got Ed Herman, who is 23 and 14, taking on Kadis Ibrahimov, who is 8 and 1. Kadis Ibrahimov opened the minus 175 favorite to Ed Herman at plus 135. Right now, we are seeing Ibrahimov minus 145 to Herman plus 125. So uh, I'll start this one off uh, if you don't mind, Ozzy. This is a crazy line. I mean, Kadis Ibrahimov came in his first UFC fight short notice as well. He looked absolutely horrible. Seriously, one of the worst performances I've ever seen. The dude has no technique. He straight wings punch. He blitzed Don Jung, couldn't hit him with anything, gassed himself out, uh, couldn't get any takedowns going, got outstruck, and got eventually tapped out in the third round. I mean, it was a pathetic performance. He had no technique when he was throwing punches. He had no control of his gas tank. It looked like it was his first MMA fight ever. So I really don't rate Ibrahimov highly at all. He's coming into this fight again on super short notice. Ed Herman was supposed to fight uh, Antogulov. So he's prepared for another uh, guy who comes out and blitzes you in the first minute. I think Ed Herman is up for the task, even though he's old, even though he's not the fighter he once was. I think that he's savvy enough to avoid that knockout, uh, high guard, avoid that punch getting uh, touching his chin early. And then... Ibrahimov should really defeat himself. I honestly see Herman taking over after the two-minute mark in the fight. Herman probably landed some hard strikes and, and likely landed a knockout. And it's crazy to to, to predict a 39-year-old guy who's been fighting for 15 years to knock this guy out. But I, I really don't rate Ibrahimov highly. I think that he loses this fight for himself. Uh, I mean, Da'on Jung is a lot better fighter than Herman at this point in their career, and I could be um, not giving Ibrahimov enough respect. He could come out here, blitz Herman, and just touch the chin and the fight's over and all this analysis is for nothing but i'm i'm trusting the old the old dog in this one herman i think he comes through as the underdog and i got one unit on him at plus 130 so is this sounding uh similar to your uh, line of thinking or do i sound uh, crazy ozzy i mean i mean you don't sound crazy at all i just i I have no zero desire to bet on this fight at all man like the ed herman uh i remember Ed Herman, I think he was the one of the first guys I ever watched in MMA because that's when I started uh, training back in 2006. And I remember watching him versus Kendall Grove on the Ultimate Fighter finale. Crazy. It's been 13 years. Um, you know, in this fight, again, in this fight, though, uh, it, it plays out two ways. Either Ed Herman um, gets slept in the first round by one of the wild count, you know, punches that uh, this thrown his way um, by. Uh, by I, how, how do you pronounce his last name? I'm so bad. Ibrahimov. Ibrahimov. So um, you know, loses to Ibrahimov that way, or um, more likely, what happens is he absorbs uh, what Ibrahimov has to to dish out to him, and is able to to stay in the pocket and throw hooks and and able to to follow up on them and uh, possibly knock him out uh, in return when he, when he gets a little more tired. Um, I think people are thinking that Herman, yeah, Herman is washed up, but yeah, he, if you remember that Krilov fight, he got knocked out with that head kick that he didn't even see coming. It was a beautiful head kick by uh, Krilov. Um, but against Volante, you know, he, he wasn't put away. Um, and then before the time before that was against Brunson and we know Brunson hits like a truck, especially in the first round. 
Ibrahimov, the the performance he had in his last fight, he just looked uh, clumsy. It was embarrassing, like you said, how he was kind of just chasing after the guy, throwing throwing hooks, hooks and uppercuts. And I think he's he's a young dude. He thinks he he. I don't know if maybe the, that's what the way he always wants to fight, or he just has gets like jitter, got jitters, and and perform like that. But uh, plus money with Ed Herman, you there there you know there's no way that you you back uh ibrahimov here so i'm with you i think ed herman uh probably absorbs some punishment here but then ends up chipping away and and uh getting the win here but there's a big athleticism advantage uh disadvantage here for him so um i wouldn't be surprised to see him get finished either yeah i understand passing on this fight too but ed herman i think cash for me as like a two to one dog versus Cummins. so i still got a little profit next to his name so might as well just gamble it away here on another uh, good spot as plus money but um in the welterweight division in the next fight we got zalim imadayev who is eight and one taking on danny roberts who is 16 and five this fight Opened up in Medaya minus 265 to Roberts plus 185. Right now we are seeing Imadaya of minus 222, Roberts plus 180. So um, pretty shocked at this line movement, honestly, or where the line was set at all. Uh, do you think this line is accurate or do you think it's a bit off? Um, so I mean, Danny Roberts, man, he he's a guy that is infuriating sometimes to watch. I remember in that Zawada fight and that Claudio Silva fight, they just couldn't believe like some of the stuff that was happening uh there. Um, I the the line I think for definitely opened up too wide. Um, if you remember Zaleem, uh, his last fight against uh, Max Griffin, he you know, Max Griffin was struggling to grapple with him and trying to grapple with him. So, and, and getting hit with big shots, uh, you know, pretty often. So I think people think that, uh, he's going to come in here and just melt, uh, hot chocolate, uh, <laughs> melt hot chocolate, uh, pretty early on, but Danny Roberts is, you know, he's a skill, skilled dude. I think he's, he's, he's not a bad fighter. Um, he, he got murdered by, uh, Ferreira in his last fight, but you know, for the most part, he, he's been a solid guy. He's, but he, he's really chinny. That's the only thing. Uh, we've seen him get, get stunned quite a few times. Um, but I wouldn't want to, to back, uh, Salim here at, uh, at minus 220. Um, you know, I would you definitely need that to be under two to one. And I, I think Roberts, if Roberts is um staying at range of him, he's probably gonna get knocked out. Um, but um his grappling is pretty opportunistic, and uh I think he's gonna likely lean heavy on that to to try and get this fight to the ground at, uh, at multiple points, uh surprise him with some takedowns and, and start to chip away at that gas tank, which, you know, he, he did uh, maintain it pretty well in the Griffin fight. I think he slowed a little bit, but not as much as I thought he was going to slow down and, uh, and ended up, uh, you know, losing because Griffin was able to get in on his hip. So I think that'll be a focus for Roberts, but, uh, but here I, I I'm picking uh, Zeline to, to win this fight because I think, uh, I don't think Roberts has uh, good enough wrestling or enough strength to be able to to muffle the the offense uh to muzzle the offense of uh of Zleem in, in this fight so uh so he's gonna be my pick yeah i'm actually gonna 
I don't know. I guess I'm picking Roberts in this one. I mean, you 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 mentioned it. You summarized it all very well. I mean, I said this before. Roberts is one of the worst IQ fighters on the roster. Uh, his fight, infuriating, frustrating. That's a great way to describe his fighting style. Uh, and I'm actually a little more confident in his defensive grappling skills. I remember taping him pretty heavily before the Claudio Silva fight. And I mean, that fight was going exactly as I thought. He was you know, narrowly escaping the submissions. He was hurting Silva. He just didn't have the the smart uh, capabilities to avoid the grappling and eventually got sucked back down to the ground and armbarred in some weird uh, stoppage. But I mean, he, it's, it's, it's it sounds kind of crazy to put money on the guy because he is just such a low IQ fighter, but I mean, there's value on this fight. No doubt. I'm mean, Imadiyev, his UFC debut versus Griffin. All, all he did was throw spinning attacks and get up from takedowns. I mean, uh, Robert or Griffin was attempting a ton of takedowns. He, uh, Imadiyev had great get-ups. He did not accept bottom. He got right up to his feet uh, every single time he got taken down. And considering that he never fought in the third round before that fight, his cardio actually looked pretty good. I mean, he might have won rounds two and three of that fight and uh, probably deserved the draw, but the judges gave it to Max Griffin. It was super close, but... At range, I think Roberts would be the much better striker. He's a former pro boxer, uh, kind of a crafty southpaw. He's got some good kicks behind him as well. And besides him being chinny and not having the best defense, he's actually a pretty decent striker. And I think his takedown defense, his submission defense is good enough that he uh, will be able to avoid getting stuck on bottom. And I haven't really seen enough uh, good offensive grappling from Imadiyev to think that he can uh, take him down and hold him down. So not really understanding the line of this one at all. I honestly think people are just fading Roberts, but I don't think Imadiyev is the guy to do it against. I think at, at range, uh, Imadiyev has really no... Uh, reliable striking he's got really poor defense and i think he could uh, get countered and knocked out here um so uh, in my opinion i think the robert the the value is on roberts and i'm actually going to pick him to, to to win by knockout here i think imadiyev's defense is just so bad that i think even uh one of the uh the dumbest fighters on the roster danny roberts can can touch that chin or i honestly wouldn't even uh, mind seeing uh hot chocolate get melted uh, like you said just to just to see him go down in misery from all the frustrating times I spent watching him uh, throughout his career. Yeah, you and me both. <laughs> you and me both. Um, and uh, that brings us to the co-main event of the evening. We got Alex Volkov, who is 30 and 7, taking on Greg Hardy, who is 5 and 1. The opening betting line for this one was Volkov, the minus 175 favorite to Hardy, plus 150. Uh, we're now seeing Volkov minus 292 Hardy plus 245. So short notice replacement from, for Greg Hardy. He fought, uh, I think, like two or three weeks ago. Decision win over Ben Sassoli. And now he's coming in here to, to fight Alex Volkov. That was an insane opening line. Alex Volkov at minus 175. Uh, it, it rightfully got smashed. Minus 290, I'd say that's more accurate where the fight sit, uh, where it sits now. I honestly would probably cap him closer to minus 400. I, I heavily, heavily feel favorite Volkov in this fight. Uh, I'm not really sure why I see so many people picking Hardy and saying there's value on Hardy. Uh, I mean, so Volkov is a better striker at range, no doubt. He knows how to use his reach better. He throws better straight punches. He's got really good kicks. He's got a really high output as well, one of the best outputs in the heavyweight division. The only really bad things about Volkov is that he leaves his chin up in the air a little bit. He can be caught with big heavy punches, which is why he lost his last fight. Versus Derek Lewis, a fight that he was dominating and lost in embarrassing fashion. Um, but I think that uh, 
Hardy's not nearly as tough of a fighter as um, Lewis is. He's not as crafty. He's not uh, going to be able to absorb that type of punishment and come back. So, I mean, if Hardy comes out here and blitzes him and tries to make Volkov uncomfortable in the first 60, 90 seconds like he did uh, in his uh, really early UFC MMA fights, uh, I think that Greg Hardy could touch the chin and knock Volkov out. But if he tries to go technique for technique and tries to uh, win this fight uh, via decision like he won his last fight, I mean, he's just going to be out technique to buy a long shot. Volkov's got the advantage in the grappling, huge advantage. I mean, Volkov has got really nice body lock trip takedowns. I think that this fight will Hardy will be blitzing into the pocket, throwing big punches. Volkov clinches him up, lands some good strikes in the clinch, and then he'll either choose to break from the clinch and keep this fight at distance, or he'll hit those body lock trip takedowns, probably keep top position. And I'm really picking Volkov to dominate uh, Hardy in this one. I think that Volkov does land one of those trip takedowns and then gets mount and uh, TKOs Greg Hardy from there. So I'm going to go with a, a ground and pound TKO from Alex Volkov in round two of this one. And uh, I understand the early action coming in heavy on Volkov. So uh, I'll turn this one over to you, Ozzy. What are you thinking about this one? You disagree and you think there's some value on uh, Greg Hardy in this spot? Uh, I mean, Hardy's line trended down or, uh, in the last few days. Now it's close up closer to the plus 250. At that price, I think you know it's heavyweights. It's you know maybe you know Hardy could pull something off, but I think uh, Volkov, you know, he's never really shown to be chinny uh, all too much. Like he he got crushed by that Derek Lewis uh, uh, right hand, but you know it's Derek Lewis. He 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 knocks the fuck out of everybody. Um, so I, I I think Volkov is is cognizant of of what's going on here, and he's really not going to want to. Uh, to be the guy to he does he's not going to be able to want to be like the first top 10 guy like legit dude uh to lose to greg hardy so i think he's going to start the fight off slow he's in the key party at range and i i just don't trust hardy to be focused and uh diligent enough with his uh with his attack to be patient and uh you know and beat a guy like uh volkov on the feet um and like you said you know on the ground if volkov you know volkov is tricky on the feet and he has a uh, you know good clinch good takedowns um i could see him taking you know, hardy down and if he does uh, volkov is a far superior grappler so it, it's a hail mary shot with greg hardy i don't think you know the, the the range that uh volkov is able to keep with his kicks you've never seen hardy really deal with someone who who's able to to chop at his leg shot hit, hit his body and throw head kicks and uh volkov has those sneaky front like deep kicks as well which i think would be tough for uh, hardy to deal with um hardy has great great you know attributes he's fast he has power um so he could definitely uh, catch volkov but i really don't see that happening i uh i think volkov gets it done here um cl getting close to three to one favorite yeah i don't really play three to one favorites like that so uh you know he'll have to be under 250 for me to even think about it but uh i'm probably gonna sit this one out i never predict uh heavyweight fights all that well but uh, in this spot i i really don't see how uh how Hardy's going to have someone be confidently picking Hardy uh, to, to win this fight. Yeah, so we're, we're in agreement with that one. Uh, do, so have you do you think you've seen like a, an abnormal amount of people picking Hardy and saying that he, there might be a little bit of value, or do you think that's just me? I, I've seen people picking Hardy, and um, I have like a little resource uh, where I on uh, bet tips MMA they they show a little bit of like how many like the percentages, and I think for sure um, 
uh, Hardy's had the more percentage of uh, bets on, placed on him on on the card uh, uh, between these two guys. I feel so. Um, you know, I think definitely there's uh, there's people on Hardy. Yeah, I, I get the bet personally because you're you're picking the number, right? You're picking the guy with the big upside, the guy who's looked good. He's got the UFC promotional push versus the guy who's older, who's uh, coming off that knockout loss. And uh, I, I get betting and then has also uh, lost as a favorite before multiple times. So uh, I, I get that. But in terms of picking Hardy to win the fight, that's a little puzzling to me. Um, but moving on to the main event of the evening, a three round main event uh, in the featherweight division. We have Zabit Magomed Sharapov, who is 17 and one, taking on Calvin Cater, who is 20 and three. The opening betting line for this one was Zabit minus 270, Cater plus 190. Right now we are seeing Zabit minus 290 to Cater plus 245. So that more action coming in on the heavy favorite Zabit in this one. Uh, I'll let you start this one off, uh, Ozzy. Uh, give us your thoughts on this main event, three rounds in the featherweight division. So oh, great, great fight. Um, disappointed that it's not five, uh, five, uh, five minute rounds. Uh, I think it'd make it even more interesting. But uh, this is a fight where I think Cater uh, is being really overlooked here. Uh, be he's a good fighter, but I think he's he's extremely hyped up uh, in his UFC career, UFC career to this point. I, can you say that it's impressive? He he hasn't really fought too many guys that are that all that good, and even in the fights, that, uh, you know, in those in those fights, he hasn't really looked that impressive. Uh, he he he. Three of the guys uh, that he's beaten in the UFC aren't going to be in the UFC anymore. When you when you count uh, Kyle Bochniak, who I think is going to be getting cut soon, but Mike Santiago, that you know that guy's been submitted. Uh, Eight times in his uh, in his MMA career and his twelve losses, Zabit finished in the second round, and I didn't think uh, you know I think my Santiago was able to do some stuff in that fight. He wasn't it wasn't like one way traffic all the way. The Marais fight, Zabit had a huge grappling edge, huge physical uh, advantage. Oh, Marais used to fight at one thirty five, and Marais if you can put him on the ground, you're going to beat him. You know, he, he, he only really wins back and forth stand-up exchange uh, affairs. Bocciniak fight. Um, it's kind of legendary for Bocciniak coming back in that third round and starting to bust the beat up a lot. Um, I, just Bochniak is is almost like a 500 fighter. I think his official record is uh, eight and five. He, the fact that Zabi had a little bit of trouble with him was was not inspiring to me. Brandon Davis, Davis is able to escape some takedowns, was able to to get some stuff going on the feet and uh, and land shots. And Davis is back down at 135. Of course he got caught. I'm not gonna say of course he got caught in one of those in that knee bar that he got caught in, but th that's a move that you really get if a guy's pretty weak uh i i maybe not but uh, all the way but brandon davis is not a strong grappler and in that stevens fight i stevens is coming on i thought that fight i watched it again and it was kind of closer than i thought it uh was contrast that with cater cater is really impressive in his ufc career has fought a lot of tough guys F feely uh, Burgos, Moicano, Fishgold, uh, Lamas. So Fishgold being the the worst guy on there, and uh, and he was like seventeen to one when he came into that fight. But uh, 
there hasn't been one guy on that list, including Moicano, where Cater has come in and wasn't able to land his hands. He has some of the best boxing in the UFC. He's incredibly quick. He sets up his uh, his punches really well. He has great built-in defense with his punches, and he's able to reset into defensive positions uh, pretty well. Um, you see that some of the setups that he has, like that Shane Burgos uh, uh, knockout, where he he just has that timing. Once he gets to your timing. He's uh, he's countering really hard and he's able to follow up his punches incredibly well. Zabi, I don't think is uh, you know has amazing control in jujitsu. He does have great takedowns, but it's not he doesn't really stick you with single legs and double legs. It's really him getting to the clinch and and like squeezing and taking you down. Um, I don't think Kate is going to be accepting of takedowns, and I think that uh, you know Zabi being reliant on that clinch. To take uh, fighters, uh, the fight to the mat is going to start catching up with him after that first or second takedown where Cater's uh, getting back up. He's not letting uh, Zabi stick him on the ground, and he's making Zabi consistently fight for that clinch. And that range, man, I, I feel, you know, the only thing that I'm kind of concerned about is Zabi, you know, does use his kicks pretty well, but Cater's cognizant of that, and he's going to be countering. He's going to be in Zabit's face. I don't think uh, Zabi backs up a lot and circles a lot. So, he's not going to be in position to utilize those leg kicks, right? You, you really need to be on that front foot if you want to land, uh, land kicks. Only other thing I'd be concerned about is Zabit does have, uh, he has good hand speed. I'll give him that. And he, and he chambers his strikes pretty well on, on the counter. So I could see him maybe, uh, countering and, and hurting cater on the feet, but I think this cater, uh, I'm going to pick Cater flat out straight up here. I think that uh, he comes out with a aggressive boxing game. He knows that this is his moment. You know, he he's he's a veteran of the sport. Um, he started fighting a long time ago, but he's getting up there in age, right? He, he had his first fight back in 2017, so that's 12 years ago when he was 19. He's 31 now. It's time for him to ascend into that top 10 and, you know, maybe become a title challenger. So I think he knows that. He's aware of that. And, uh, you know, he's training with a, a, a group of good guys and, uh, uh, I think he we're in for a good a big performance from Cater, um, and I think that he can get the stoppage on Zabit because I, I you know I haven't seen Zabit really really plugged with a hard shot or with a guy that's coming at him aggressive with with uh, knockout power. Stevens tried, but Stevens he doesn't have he's not good enough, man. He's a journeyman. He wasn't able to cut Zabit off. He wasn't able to capitalize when he did land on him. And Bochniak is the only other guy that really came at him aggressively, and Bochniak just doesn't have any knockout power. Cater if he touches that chin, I think he's in the stun um, to be, and he might be able to pick up a stoppage win, but I'm picking him, and at plus 250, I think there's tons of value on uh, Calvin Cater. So, early on in the fight week, I was thinking that the value was on Cater, then I watched some tape on it, and I was thinking that the price was justified, and then now, you know, hearing that argument from you, I'm thinking that there, there's some more value on Cater. So, kind of going back and forth in this fight, um, as a pure pick goes, I think I definitely have to pick Zabib at, uh, Zabib at this point, just kind of trying to uh, feel what I, um, my opinion on the line. Uh, I guess that the, the, I would feel more comfortable betting Cater as the underdog as opposed to laying that chalk on Zabit. But um, so the path to victory for this one is, for Cater is going to be his boxing. Like you mentioned, I, I would say that is the best boxing in the UFC. You said some of the best. I mean, I really don't see who is better right now with their hands than Calvin Cater. And 
Uh, he, he, it's just, I wish he would have a little bit more layers to his offense because right now all he does is really throw hands. He throws out the, that occasional, uh, front kick to f- find his range. But I think he would really benefit from, um, maybe de- developing his clinch game a little bit more and throwing more leg kicks. But, uh, I, I, in this fight, his boxing is what he's going to need to use. He shouldn't be throwing kicks because he's going to get taken down off that. He shouldn't be initiating the clinch because Zabit will be better there. He will be uh, Zabit will be better on the ground. He should have a pretty uh, big wrestling and grappling advantage. And uh, I, I do think that Calvin Cater could win this fight. He's just going to have to put on a really good game plan, and he's going to have he's going to have to jab inside. He's going to get have to get into the pocket with Zabit, and he's going to have to find home for his hands. He's going to have to work the body of Zabit, try to uh, punish that that uh, that suspect gas tank of Zabit. And it's very possible he could target the body. He could land some good shots and outbox Zabit possibly to a decision. But if if Cater's winning this fight, I'd say it's by knockout. Um, Although, I mean, uh, it's tough to say. I, I, you know, Zabit does have the Russian judges in his favor. and But Cater really could uh, land the better strikes, land those hard punches on the feet, and win this fight via scorecards too. But uh, I think that the, where the biggest difference in this fight comes is via the grappling. And I think that if, if Zabit really uh, chases the takedowns in this one, I think he will look like the minus 300 favorite because... Uh, Zabit uh, attempts six takedowns a minute, and uh, he he really has a vast array of takedowns. I mean, not so much the the typical shots that we see from American wrestlers or like single legs or double legs. He's more uh, trip takedowns and clinch takedowns, and he, he's just really crafty, man. He he's extremely uh, creative in that octagon, and I think that once he starts flowing, he makes the reads on his opponents. He really is uh, one of the most exciting fighters to watch in the UFC right now. But a really good point you mentioned about the the level of competition. I, I definitely think that that uh of the the five ufc fights they've had uh, there's no question the cater has fought the better competition and by a, a very wide margin i think that like you said fish gold i think fish gold might be better than davis botchniak and santiago so uh zabit's really only impressive wins in my opinion are uh i mean he dominated marias and then uh i guess he he snuck by stevens but as you mentioned that was a close fight i mean Five rounds, I think he loses that fight. He definitely slowed down a little bit. He once Stevens found his boxing range and pressured him, and he and got him tired. Uh, Zabit's movement suffered. His defense suffered. And in round three, uh, Zabit is definitely a huge liability. So uh, I I could see Cater. Uh, implementing the best game plan of his life, working his boxing, winning this fight via knockout or decision. I could see him maybe losing the first couple of rounds and then capitalizing on Zabit fading in round three and maybe win uh, by comeback knockout in round three. But I have to favor uh, Zabit in this one. I just think that uh, on the feet, he will be using his kicks, his his deep, his backwards movement, and uh, his footwork to, to just give Zabit so many looks. He's going to be kicking the legs, the body, uh, attempting takedowns. He also has some pretty good counter boxing as well. So I just think on the feet, there will be so many layers coming at uh, Zabit that it'll be a little too much for uh, for Cater. And I think Cater really doesn't have a good answer for kicks sometimes. You watch the Andre Feely fight. Whenever Feely would throw that uh, switch to that southpaw stance and throw that left body kick, it landed, and Cater didn't really have a good uh, counter to it. He was kind of slow at, at countering the kicks. So um, 
I, I believe that Cater does have a, a win condition. It's a pretty strict one, while uh, Zabit has a lot more ways that he can win. So uh, I'm going to pick uh, Zabit. Uh, I'm going to favor his output, favor that grappling advantage, and I think that he uh, wins this fight via 29-28 decision. But it, it'll be close, and it's it's a damn shame this fight's not five rounds. Uh, we really haven't talked about that much, but if this fight was five rounds, I think the line would be so, so much closer. I think people would be a lot more people would be picking Cater, possibly myself included, if there were, this were five rounds. It's a damn shame it's not. But uh, the pick for me is going to be Zabit by decision. Uh, any last thoughts you wanted to add on to uh, that that uh, analysis, um, Ozzy? Yeah, so, I mean, just the reason I kind of don't feel the same way is I, I just don't think that while Zabit has all, everything in his bag, he I, I don't I don't see him utilizing it, uh, you know, to, I don't I, like putting it putting out there as much because he does have sus suspect cardio and i think cater man he he's like talking about like he feels like this is like a rocky movie it's coming into russia i think he doesn't give a shit about what zabit's gonna throw out there and he's gonna come in there uh work his game and he's gonna find a knockout i really feel there's literally look back at all the caters fights there hasn't been one guy where cater has not been able to find a range and really start landing his hands and i don't think i think there's a be uh if you watch him he likes to kind of paw at people's punches a lot and that's what did Lamison in his last fight if you if you see the cater knockout um Lamas is kind of had of having his hands uh, kind of far away from his uh, chin uh trying to kind of parry punches away and uh cater was able to take advantage of that really really quickly in the first round and I think the same thing is uh likely to happen or 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 will need to happen for Cater to win, but I, I predict that uh you know Cater sees that his, he's got a smart camp and I think he's gonna um you know capitalize on it. Yeah, very, very, very possible. I mean, I would be excited to see it. I mean, as much as I like Zabit, I'm a big fan of Cater too. It would be incredible to see him pull off this victory. And I think you're getting a really good price on on a, on a great matchup. I mean, if you have to pick a fighter to beat Zabit, you'd want it to be a good boxer, a good pressure fighter, a guy with some slick, accurate hands, and that's what Cater is. So it really could be a nightmare matchup. I could be wrong on this one. You could be right. And um you know, that, that's going to do it for the podcast this week. But uh, we broke down all 13 fights. Uh, it was a great, great time uh, breaking shit down with you as always, Ozzy. Hope to have you back on the program soon. And uh, any last thoughts you want to add real quick? Yeah, um, you know, just follow me over at uh, Ozzy underscore MMA. Uh, you know, post, you know, stuff there uh, throughout the week and uh, not just looking forward to, uh, to, you know, making some money this week and hopefully uh, have a look at uh you know some some of our picks here hopefully they're able to make some people some cash nice man thanks thanks once again for coming on the podcast we'll definitely have to have you on uh more in the near future but uh, thanks for joining me everybody hope you enjoyed this episode hope you all enjoyed the card this weekend and we will see you all next week peace